When I was a kid, if you wanted to look at a, uh, a nude picture, you had to know a friend of yours who had an older brother who had uh, a magazine somewhere. You certainly couldn't buy one because you couldn't afford it anyway. You weren't old enough, right? So now we're in this place where it's free. There's no age limit. And you can have it instantly. So I, I see the desires of the flesh now uh, having a, a kind of power never before seen because of electronic media. And it's evil is spreading just wildfire. Of the separation between um, the world and Christians, the gap seems to be getting bigger and bigger, but yet what I'm seeing is Christians looking like the world. And why is that? And I ask myself that, and I reflect on my own life about that. Um, this culture seems so bent on itself to destroy itself and its own truths, and, and I see that widening. So, you know, as far as uh, moral purity goes, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to attack the big one, but I want to leave the thought with you because I'm going to dive around a little bit. And the thought is, <clears throat> walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. I'm going to talk about lust real fast because it was a big part of my life that, that I got the victory in, the Lord gave me the victory in. And now, as I found you get moving down the road a little bit, you got other stuff going on. Now it's not lust. It's, it's anger, right? It's all these things of the flesh. So let's talk about our human nature, totally corrupted by lust. The fall of man per perverted the way we are and the things we desire. We know sin corrupts, sin distorts. Sin changed the very nature of mankind. This is why lust is such a problem. If there is any sin that has plagued mankind and has destroyed lives and is still destroying lives, it's lust. <clears throat> Ephesians 4.22 says, You put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. Lust is deceptive. Lust is uncontrolled evil desires. And lust shows itself in uncontrolled passion. Time and time again, the Bible gives us examples of how lust carries people's lives in the, past of, in the path of destruction and how it can dictate the very decisions an individual can make. How is it stimulated? The eyes. We get a peek behind the curtain in that wonderful wisdom book of Job. Job says, I made a covenant with my eyes. Why then should I look upon a maiden? Why? Because his eyes started it, then his mind picked it up. Lust grows, and it grows quickly. Uh, one of my favorite scriptures um, that I'm going to refer to a couple times, John 2.16. For all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, it's from the world. And the world is passing away and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. Man, I want to do what the will of God is. What is that? Let's talk about it. Um, Lust is stimulated. Lust is cultivated. 
by what men and women see with their eyes. If you have a problem with lust, you have a problem with your eyes. If you have a problem watching unholy things on the internet, you have a serious problem with your eyes. Job was communicating, in my opinion, that he had made a covenant with his eyes not to look at women, let alone to allow the thoughts to infiltrate his heart. Job knew something that we don't know, and that our eyes are the problem. Do you know what that tells me as a believer? As a Christian, there are certain things I cannot watch. There are certain shows I can't watch. There are TV shows, movies, websites I can't watch or go on. It's immoral. It drives things and thoughts that lead me in wrong places. It's important to remember that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, we must treat our bodies as a temple. Those same eyes that are reading God's word are the same eyes that are watching something unholy. Those same eyes that are using to study scripture and memorize scripture, those same eyes are using to fulfill your lustful desires. This is obviously very wrong. Why is it? First Corinthians 6.19, what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, which is in you? Which you, have it, you, which you have of God, and you are not your own, for you are bought with a the price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. We're to honor the temple of God. Do you really believe that, that the power of God is living inside of you? Man, I started really studying this and thinking, me? He's in me, and I'm suffering him, and I'm pushing him away? Because of what? This war that's going on, this flesh that... I'm always dragging it around, the kind of flesh that, you know, I, I'm sure I'm not the only one, but I'm singing praises to God one second, guy cuts me off, and I want to pull him over and beat the snot out of him. What happened there? Or I'm having a good day, and this hot, smoking hot little fanny goes walking by me, and I think, man, would I like to get in a wrestling match with that? What happened? What, what's going on here? Why am I always in this battle? I'm going to get there. Let's look at a godly king real fast. And, and, and I would like to put this lust uh, down for a minute. And it came to pass at evening time that David arose from his bed. And he looked at this woman, was very beautiful to look upon, and she was bathing. As soon as he saw this, David could have concluded this was a mistake. He didn't. He kept looking. He continued looking because the woman was beautiful. This is lust, and it was fed by his eyes. What his eyes saw led to thoughts in his mind, led to David laying with this woman, but it didn't end there. The single act of indiscipline led to more sins. He paid dearly for. He lied, plotted, schemed, even murdered a man. This is something we must pay attention to. We need to understand about lust is that it has a very unique ability to take us deeper than we ever planned to go. That's what happens when you get tangled up with lust. 
It has that unique ability to take you places you never wanted to go, thought you'd go, or planned to go. That one act of looking led to murder. This is my point. Lust makes a person do things they never planned to do or thought they would do. I personally have seen many people who have had these, had their lives ruined by lust, made total shipwreck of it, their marriage, uh, their once lust gets a hold of you, it is, a, it is divine intervention to get it off of you. How did I get here is usually what people say. The Bible says, 1 Corinthians six eighteen, flee sexual immorality. There are things the Bible tells us to fight, and there are things we're told to flee and run away from. What I've come to realize is people lose the battle against lust because they're fighting something God told you to flee. We see in the Old Testament, God says, don't go up against those guys. I'm not going to give you the victory. He's told us to flee immorality. When I see men fight immorality, they get it handed to them. Why? Because we're told to flee it. Um, I'll give you a practical example of that. Two reasons. One, they're not controlling their eyes. And two, they're trying to fight something God told us to run away from. 2 Timothy 2.22, flee also youthful lust, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with these who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. We can't put ourselves in compromising situations. If you're regularly putting yourself in a compromising situation, not preparing to avoid compromising situations, then you're likely to make a wrong decision. A married man having lunch with a coworker woman. Not very smart. First off, David should have been off to war. He was taking some R&R. He was in a compromising situation. By the way, Proverbs 7 talks about the crafty harlot. Great story. Um, it ends with, he did not know it would cost him his life. Um, this is serious business. Um, isn't it interesting that after Paul tells Timothy to flee youthful lust, he gives him a list of things to follow. Righteousness, faith, charity, peace. But what I think a lot of people miss there or forget to notice is that he instructs him to follow these things with a specific type of person. Timothy is to follow these things with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. To overcome lust... You'll have to choose good company. The wrong company will lead you to lust. Control your eyes and flee immorality. By the way, an interesting thing I'd like to, to point out. Uh, where was David? Home, alone, and he saw a beautiful naked woman. There really is nothing new under the sun, is there? How many men have made shipwreck of their lives because they were home alone and they looked at a naked, beautiful woman? Okay, I'm going to talk about uh, some things that God showed, showed me in his word. Um, I call, it's called the law of replacement. It's the battle for your mind. You can't take a thought out of your mind, but you can replace it. And what I've done is 
continuing to memorize scripture, I'm loaded in. I'm like a, a guy at the Western, right? I've got two 45s right here, and they're loaded with scripture. So when things start hitting me or I have some uh, unreasonable, unholy thoughts, I start blasting away with scripture. It's called the law of replacement, and, and um, it works. It's magnificent. Um, We, we saw that the, I've got a lot of examples here, but I'm going to use the greatest example. I remember when Jesus was in the desert and the enemy was attacking him. He said three different times, it is written, it is written, it is written. Right? Okay. How much time do I have left? Oof. Let me tell you where I get it. I've been getting really excited for my personal growth because if you're not in God's word and it's not transforming your life, there's something wrong. And it's, it's, I found this thing. I'm going to talk about a command, a contention, or actually a controversy, and then I'm going to talk about the cure. And ironically, the cure is the command. Let me go. Uh, Galatians 5 tells us walking in the spirit. I say then walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. That's it? Okay. How do I walk in the spirit? That's what my mind is screaming. And then for the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh and these are contrary to one another so you don't do the things that you wish. And then we hear Paul real fast going, ah, wretched man that I am. The things I'm supposed to do, I don't want to do. And the things I'm not supposed to do, those I want to do. And what else is he screaming? He's going, oh, I feel another war. A member in me. It's my sin in me. He's talking about this flesh. This amazing apostle, apostle is dragging around. And you hear his anguish and his, his battle cry, right? It's the flesh. It's what he's dragging around. But if you're, if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contingence, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, oh, selfish ambitions, dissensions. Selfish ambitions, yeah. Envies, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, which I tell you before, and just as I told you in the times past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Okay. That's a lot of stuff there. But now the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, faithfulness, goodness, kindness, gentleness, self-control. Wow, I love that. So if I walk in this, I experience this. But if I walk in the flesh, I, I'm experiencing all of this. Is that what this is saying? Because if the command is walk in the spirit and I won't fulfill the lusts of the flesh, I just want to know how I walk in the spirit. How do I do that? How do I do that? And I start diving in. I'm, I'm going to blast through this real fast. And, and trust me when I say this, feel free to reject anything I say. You can kick me in the shin uh, after breakfast. I want to talk about the flesh. I want to talk about the world and the devil. Because those are seemingly the three things that really are, we're hemmed in on, right? It's the things that, that are out for us. I, I want to talk about the devil, and I, I mean no disrespect. I, I, he is a roaring lion, roaring around, 
with teeth and he's trying to destroy us. He's steal, kill, and destroy. A very real enemy. Um, and we know in Ephesians we don't wrestle against flesh and blood but against principalities, powers, spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. But you know what I also learned in the wisdom book of Job? He can't touch me unless he gets permission from the boss. I belong to the king. If something comes my way, it went across his desk and he approved it. So it's for my good because he is good, right? So I'm not dismissive of the devil, but we're going to push him to the side a little bit. I think he gets too much credit anyway. I want to talk about the world. Uh, that, that scripture I read again, 1 John 2, 15, 17. Don't love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that's in the world. And what I love about that scripture is that word all. Because you know what that means? All. I get that. It means all that's in the world. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not from the Father. It's from the world, and the world is passing away. The world is at enmity with God. This is the fallen system that we were in that we loved before we were born again. This is what the prince of the power of the air operates in. This is his territory. Now I'm going to talk about the flesh. It's our humanness, the unredeemed part that we drag around with us. And this is where I so identify with Paul and the seemingly frustration of the inner battle that's going on with his flesh. Every wrong word, every wrong idea, every wrong reaction, every wrong emotion, every wrong attitude is from the flesh. The Bible says we've already been changed in the inner man by salvation. Someday we are glorified, but until then we're dragging this nasty fleshly corpse around with us. Always wanting its way. Always want to check out that little fanny. Always ready to pop a dude for cutting you off and you know that's the flesh the flesh is our problem anxiety flesh fear flesh terrible relationship flesh difficulties in marriage flesh all sin of every form all wrong emotions all wrong attitudes all wrong actions all wrong reactions all wrong thoughts all wrong words all wrong deeds come out of the flesh Wow. Let's beat that. How do we beat it? The command, walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Walking really does mean a daily conduct. It's a consistent, steady thing. The word is a progressive, present tense command with continuity. It can be translated, keep continually walking. The idea here is that a Christian life unfolds one day at a time. One step at a time. It's a picturesque metaphor of, of, of the control of the Holy Spirit, one step at a time. It's a constant pattern. It's a routine for us. We've already had the indwelling Spirit, according to Romans 8 9. If anyone does not have the Spirit of God, we're not His. 1 Corinthians 6, 19, our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit, and the Spirit is in us, and the Spirit is moving and leading, and we are simply to respond Moment by moment, step by step, day by day. By the means and power and direction of the Holy Spirit. That's it. Just walk in the Spirit. 
attitude of submission to the Holy Spirit. What does walking in the Spirit look like? Well, practically, I've studied this out. Again, feel free to reject it. Studying the Word of God so that you know the mind of the Spirit and the will of the Spirit. Ephesians 5 says, be kept filled with the Spirit. And its parallel passage, Colossians 3.16 says, let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. Being filled with the Spirit is the same as letting the Word dwell in us. Um, that passage over in Ephesians when it, he says, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is, and do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. The word actually means, it's, it's F-I-L-L-E-D, but it actually means be continually being filled. It's a continual thing, just like walking, continue to walk. Um, As the Word moves through our heart and mind, it's that which the Spirit of God directs our lives. So we spend time in the Word. And as we spend time in prayer, communing with the living God and building an intimate relationship with the Spirit of God, as we feed on that Word, as we commune with God, we are in the position where the Spirit of God can move us down the path, walking as He wants us to walk, seeking His will Above all, Jesus, when he came here, he said, I didn't come to do my will. I came here to do the will of my Father. He is our example. I, I, I'm fascinated by walking in the Spirit. Let's talk about the Holy Spirit, and then I'll close this out. I, when I read what Paul said in Galatians 3, he said, You foolish Galatians, are you now beginning to perfect in the flesh what was begun in the Spirit? Let me tell you what I heard. You foolish Christian, Ray, are, are you battling the flesh when supernaturally I came to you in your heart? Let me try that again. Paul was saying, why are you guys battling something in the flesh that began in the Spirit? Because our salvation was the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit in its initiation, so our spiritual living must also be a supernatural work of the Holy Spirit. We all began in the Spirit. We were convicted of sin. That's the Holy Spirit. We were brought to repentance. What an amazing gift. That's the Holy Spirit. We were energized in the inner man. That's the Holy Spirit. We're at a place where we submitted to Christ. We came out of the cave with our hands up and said, I'm yours. That's the Holy Spirit. We reacted or we were recreated into new life at that time in which the Spirit of God regenerated us and came to indwell in us, and then we were baptized into the body of Christ. He then gave us spiritual gifts. Everybody has a different gift. We heard from Scott last night. We're not to compare. This brother has amazing gifts in, in this one that I don't have. Wow, it's a beautiful thing. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. It's a transcendent work that took us out of the earthly, set our feet in the heavenlies. Our citizenship is in heaven. We're not, we're in this world, but we're not of this world. We're pilgrims passing through. Why do we continue to look like the world? It's because we're not walking in the spirit. He offers, the Holy Spirit offers us all of the perfecting resources we need. He brings us into intimacy with Christ. That's where all the resources found. 
He illuminates the scripture so we know exactly what the word of God calls us to do. He strengthens us in the inner man. He glorifies Christ. Not only as our authority, but as our example. He guides us as he moves within us through our conscience to do God's will. He then ministers to us through other Christians as he comes to us through them to touch our lives and bring us strength. And finally, the Holy Spirit intercedes for us so that all things work together for good. Romans 8, 28. And he has sealed us for the day of redemption. John 7, 38, 39 says, Jesus said, He who believes in me, as the scripture said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet been glorified. I've got a few closing comments. Um, this is not a, a battle for win or lose. It's live or die. Romans 8.13 says, If you live in the flesh, you will die. If by the Spirit, you will live. And Matthew 6.22 the lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Final couple comments on the Holy Spirit. The, the main thing is he exalts Christ. Feel free to reject this, but as I've studied and watched and looked. If you show me a person that's obsessed with the Holy Spirit, I would say that that person is not filled with the Spirit. You show me a person obsessed with the Lord Jesus Christ, never tiring, never tiring of learning and loving Him, captured by His magnificent glory, studying His Word, seeking to obey Him, to be like Him. Seeking to do his will. Now that's a man filled with the Spirit. If you take anything out of this uh, talk that I gave, find out the areas in your life where you're grieving the Holy Spirit, where you're pushing him away. Um, this is the power that he gave us. This is precious. How dare we deny it? What a gift. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you.